0: Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. For these and other great resources, please visit us at sparkswillfly.cc. What I'm going to preach today is if you don't need it right now, just hold on. You're going to need it, okay? This will go in any church on any given Sunday. What I'm going to preach today, all right? I'm going to talk to you this morning. <clears throat> on how to encourage yourself in the Lord. How many knows that if you've been walking with the Lord or you stay in this thing long enough, you're gonna have to learn how to encourage yourself. Y'all gonna help me? That means you can't depend on the worship leader, can't depend on the preacher, can't depend on your best friends sometimes. You're gonna have to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Now uh I've um I ain't had such a great week. <laughs> But I know that God's in control, and I'm still going to give him the praise that he's worthy, right? Because I'm not praising God for what he will do. He's already done enough for me. Come on, somebody. When he forgave us, how many knows that was enough, right? He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of our praise. And uh, But I'm telling you, God's not done yet. I just know that he's got something up his sleeve. When the, when the money's acting funny, when the devil's on the loose, that means God's got something up his sleeve. Come on, somebody. All right. Let's look at this in First Samuel chapter thirty. It says that now it happened. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and and and, Ziklag, and, and invaded the south and Ziklag uh, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great, and did not kill uh, anyone, but carried them away and, and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. How many knows that's a bad day? And David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives, uh, Ananias, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had, had been taken uh, away, have been taken captive. And David was greatly distressed, look at this, for the people uh, spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people were grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David, look at this, strengthened, or the King James renders that, encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Now, how many knows this? It's one thing to be the pastor when things are going wrong, but now the people ready to hang you. These just ain't these just ain't this ain't people down the street. This is his own people. This is the people that went to the cave of Abdullah with him that he taught and trained and traded life with. I mean, and, and just and, and had lives. The, their lives were in them. these are his men. These are the men that trusted in him, believed in him, but now when they find themselves in a distressful situation, they're turning on him. And, but, it, but the scripture says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. One thing that I want to I highlight here is that Saul went straight into the palace. There was no waiting time, there was no holy season. He went straight into the palace. David waited 13 years to make it. There's something about a process that teaches us, listen, how to press into God. I've always heard it like this. Anything that causes us to move in prayer, anything that pushes us toward prayer is a blessing in our life. Come on, somebody how many knows this to get a plane up in the air that it has to have resistance coming against the wings and so when the resistance comes the resistance is not to push us down but actually to lift us up come on somebody so anything that causes us to move in prayer is actually a blessing and so David learned we know this according to, to this that David must have he developed, he developed something special on the back side of a desert when he was watching a few sheep how many knows this you or who you are when nobody's looking come on somebody when you don't have the title when you don't have the microphone long before he ever was called the worship leader he was a worship leader come on somebody you're a worshiper not on Sunday morning you're a worshiper when you're worshiping on Monday when you're worshiping on Tuesday come on somebody when the banker calls and says you ain't got no money in the bank and don't determine if you're a worshiper or not come on somebody a worshiper gonna praise God regardless if you're new here, I come from a Pentecostal background. That means we yell it. Preachers yell it, teachers tell it. I yell it, okay? Father, we love you this morning. Listen to this. David made it through a process. He made it through a process. I'm going to give you six things. It's dangerous when a Pentecostal preacher's got six points. Most of them need to stick to two, but I got six things. These are things that I've not gotten out of a book. These are things that I have found myself after walking with the Lord since I was a teenager that have helped me through the storms. How many knows that the storms of life come? That we're not exempt. Listen, I know we were taught when we were young if we paid our tithes, if you if was a tither, your tires wouldn't blow out. How many knows they still blow out? How many knows the washing machine still breaks down? How many, how many of those air conditioners still tear up? We got home Wednesday night, walked in, it's hot in my house, air conditioners down. Didn't get air till Saturday. How in the world do people live without air conditioner? We didn't do it. It was in the motel, glory to God. Can okay, I say, we're going to stay at the hotel? And so, um, but anyhow, so the air conditioner breaks down. Listen, not only that, I get, I, I, so my air conditioner's out. I, I'm trying to get my stuff handled. We're trying to get up to, um, by the way, you know, we go up to the uh, the Hampton Inn here in Adel. They pack, they totally booked out on a Saturday night. I said, my God, I'm glad you called. Uh, I'm glad you called earlier. I mean, I mean, Friday night, totally booked out. I'm like, where, Grant says, where are all these people coming from? I don't know where they come from, but it was totally booked out. And so uh, that just lets you know people moving and, uh, you know, commerce is a- happening in our city, right? And so... Um, that's good. And I was talking with our uh, mayor on Saturday. He said, "You know that that thing stays booked at least eighty percent all the time. At least eighty percent all the time. Just people going through." But how many knows this trying when you have got three boys and a wife? And I mean, and y'all in that that, that just told Catherine said one well, she wants a tiny house. I said, "Let me tell you something. We get a tiny house when all these kids are gone." <laughs> but if you want to see how saved you are, get in a tiny house with three kids. <laughs> Lord help me, God. Then get a call, lady that does our, uh, lady that does our bookkeeping or whatever. Anyhow, she says, she said, John, she said that, she said that uh, I, I hope that uh, this is not for the church, this you know, uh, you know, business. She said, we've totally messed your deposits up, so you're not gonna get any deposits till you know a couple of weeks from now. I said, oh that's great. <laughs> what is she gonna say? So listen, the storms of life hit everybody. It hits, the, it hits the house of God, come on somebody. It hits the tither, it hits the heathen, it hits everybody. But here's a difference we we don't re, we don't respond the way the heathen do. We got somebody looking out for us. Come on, somebody, and listen. If we want to see miracles happen, we have got to see it. We've got to have impossible situations. We will never get a miracle without an impossible situation. Come on, somebody. Mickey just told you at twenty at twenty years of age they had an impossible situation. Thank God he had a praying mama. Come on, somebody, as somebody that believed that God answers prayer and they called on behalf of the Lord for him, and anyhow, God healed him. Right? Come on. So we don't face situations like we don't have nobody. Some people act like some. Sometimes we act like we serve a god that's on a whatnot shelf. Come on, somebody. But the last time I checked, he's still alive, friend. Come on, somebody. He's in a good mood this morning. Come on. He's not worried about what's going on in Washington. Come on. The Bible says the earth is his footstool. Come on. We serve a big God. Now. Here's number one. Remember you got a destiny. Today ain't the final deal. This ain't the final chapter in the book. Listen, if your life is not good right now, listen, it ain't over, friend. There's still more to be written in the book. The Bible says, I know the plans that I have for you, thoughts of good, peace, joy, and an expected end. God's got a bright future, friend. It may be the crooked way right now, but just give God time. He will make the crooked places straight and the high places level. We got a great destiny in God. This is not the final moment. There's going to be times that the photograph don't look good. There'll be times. I was watching a thing on... Um, anyhow, just showing the history. How many knows like CNN did this thing called like the 70s or the 80s? And I watched like Richard Nixon when he was leaving office or whatever. Didn't leave because he wanted to. Come on, somebody. He's waving by to the people, but he quotes this thing. He says, you never know how great the mountaintops is till you've been in the lowest of valleys. How many knows this? It's the valley experience that trains us and teaches us. Come on, somebody. So that when we're standing on the mountaintop, we really know how good God is. Come on. I've been in some valleys, friend. Come on, somebody. I'm here to tell you that God is a good God, and he is. That the Bible, listen, we shouldn't quote Psalms 23 at a funeral because it says, though I walk through the valley. How many knows this? You're going through the valley, friend. You might find yourself there today, but I got news for you. There's another scripture called, it came to pass. You will make it through the valley. How many knows that? Come on. He's a good God. You got to remember that you got a destiny. We got a destiny. I'm in a process and this is, this is only, this is where I'm at today. This is not the thing. This is not, this is not the finish. Number two, live a life of praise and worship. I said this, praise and worship, it's not something we do, it's who we are. In John 4, God says he is seeking worshipers. He's not looking for worship, he's looking for you. He's not looking for worship. He's got worship going on right now. He's looking for the worshiper, you. And it is not something we do. It's something of who we are. It's an overflow of lifestyle. Come on, somebody. When you get in your vehicle and you cut the worship on and you go with it. Come on now. It's something you do. It's not something we do on Sunday morning. If we've been worshiping God all week long, we will have one heck of a praise service when we come in here and gather in this house together. But this, but this is one thing that I found to be true. Depression and praise can't stay at the same place. If praise attracts God, Mully grubbin definitely will attract the devil. I said if praise attracts God, Mully grubbin attracts the devil. And you start, what happens is, is when I'm molly grubbing, I'm looking at how big my problem is. Come on, somebody. But when I shift the praise, I look at how big my God is, and my God is always bigger than my problem. Come on, somebody. The enemy tries to, to lie to us and make us think that what is before us is greater than what's in us. But I came to tell somebody, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Greater is the God in you than what lies before you. Come on. And not only do we got people in this room. We got a whole book of the Hebrews chapter 11, God's hall of faith, of people that stood in faith. Come on somebody. My God. Living a life of praise and worship. Living a life of praise and worship. Psalms 9 Psalms 9 verse 2 says, "I will be glad and rejoice in you. I will sing to your name." This has nothing to do with what's going on in my life. It's a decision I made. I'm going to praise the Lord. Well, we just messed up on all your money. Your money ain't coming for a while. Well, praise God. What else am I going to do? Lay on the floor and cry? I wanted to. <laughs> Is anybody else? How many knows that ain't going to help nothing? Hebrews 13, verse 15 says, Let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. The sacrifice of praise is not, Well, I really don't want to, but I'm going to give him a finger. The sacrifice is the best that you have. How many knows in the Old Testament, the sacrifice could not, it was without blemish. It was without wrinkle. It was the best thing that you had. And you had to have it inspected by the priest to, to make sure that nothing was wrong with it so that it was good enough to offer to God. So our sacrifice, come on, a sacrifice is not getting out of bed on Sunday morning, God, I'm going to sacrifice and get up and make it to the house of God this morning. The sacrifice is the best thing you have. Can I get some help in here? I said, the sacrifice is the best we had. And David said it like this. Remember when he wanted to buy the threshing floor? And Ornan said, Listen, he said, If you're going to give it to God, if you're going to offer it to God, I'll just give it to you. David said, I cannot take that which costs me nothing and offer it unto God. Let me tell you what costs you something. When you've been to the doctor and you get the worst report of your life, and you turn around and say, You know what? Whose report are we going to believe? Are we going to believe what's on that piece of paper? Are we going to believe what was written? over 2,000 years ago. Come on, somebody. We're going to stand on that word. And when you offer up to God that type of praise in the midst of that kind of, it totally confuses the enemy. I'm telling you, it blows his mind. Now, I've listened to... I thought about this. This this is just free, okay? This is ADD problem right here. Listen. I was listening to a preacher this morning because he was talking about sin. He was talking about sin, talking about uh, people said there ain't no difference between a sin between uh, uh, a fat man or a drunk man. Both is sin. He said, but I'm going to ask you if you're riding down the road, who you'd rather run up with, a fat man or a drunk man? (laughs) Y'all helping me? (laughs) <laughs> Listen to this. Listen to this verse of Scripture. <clears throat> Leviticus 23 and 40. God told him to come to him for seven days with rejoicing. And this is what he said. He said, I want you to bring a willow branch and a palm branch. You have a palm branch in one hand and a willow branch in the other hand. Now, how many knows that the palm branch, when you think about that, what do you think about the beach? Hanging out at the beach by the pool. Their pool's got palm branches. Ours has got pine trees. And you think about, you think about this is the good times. But the willow the tree represents the bad times. How many knows you've got to bring them both to God? But here's the deal. You still got to worship regardless of which branch is flying. You got to worship God in the good times and in the bad times. I said you got to praise him in the good times. You got to pray. Listen, if we praise God in the good times, like when the bank account's full, when we eating steak, come on somebody. If we would worship God like that when we, when discouragement comes in, when we eating vine and buying a sausage, we would see things change a lot. The atmosphere of our house would change. I don't know about you, but I'm just being honest here. I think a lot of our stuff ain't got nothing to do with the enemy as much as what's coming out of our mouth, what we speak. The Bible says there's power of life and death in the tongue. If you walk around saying you ain't going to make it, listen, you might not make it. Come on, somebody. But if you walk around saying if God be for me, then who the heck could be against me? Come on, somebody. That's a whole lot of life being released out of there. We're going to make it, friend. You You bring both seasons. I thought of it like this. A lot of willows is on the river. So you might not can afford a beach vacation this year. Might be on a river vacation. I've been on many a river vacation. I've been on some staycations. Anybody else in this room ever had to do a Staycation. But you know what? It don't matter if I'm on a staycation or a vacation. God is still faithful and he's still good and he's worthy of the praise. Hello. And I know this. If I got a staycation this year, that means next year there's a big vacation on the way. Come on, somebody. We praise God in each season. If the enemy can get your praise, he's got you. Ziklag was a city of Judah which represents praise. That's the first thing he tries to attack. Let me, let me say this. Listen to this. The devil, listen, especially growing up, you remember um, in the holiest church when I was, they, that's devil music. Anybody ever heard that? That's devil music. The devil ain't got any, the devil has no music. He might have some lyrics, but he ain't got no music because there's only one creator. The devil is a created being. God is the creator. Come on, somebody. We give him too much we give him too much credit, friend. I'm trying to tell you. Right here this morning. We give him too much credit. He's not a creator. God is a creator. He's the created being. So here's the deal. He goes in and attacks the city that's connected with praise. Now think about this. How does, how does a person with no authority create so much havoc on the earth? He has no authority. I did not say he didn't have power. But he has no authority. It don't matter how much power you got, if you don't have the authority, you can't use it. See, that's the, the believer has power and authority. So what the devil is after is your authority. God, help me right here. I feel the Holy Ghost. Boy, I'm telling you, this, the Dusty Rhodes is coming out right here. Listen, so what he does is he tries to get me to come in agreement because he knows that I'm the only one besides God that has the ability to create anything. And I can create it with my mouth. Come on, somebody. This is why he wants to stop your praise. Are you listening? This is why he wants to hijack your authority and for you to start speaking all kind of puke and filth in your house. Well, my child just gonna just, I guess they just gonna sleep with everybody. No, friend, that can't be your language. You gotta have language. My child's gonna be holy under God. Gonna be full of the Holy Ghost and fire. Gonna cast out devils. Come on, somebody. My child's gonna set a new record in the school. Come on. My child ain't going to cave into temptation. I don't care though 10,000 may fall at my right hand. God is for me. And God's going to help my family. The enemy uses our mouth. He uses our authority. He just wants us to come and agree. The Bible says this. Jesus said in Matthew 18, if any two of you touch and agree on earth, that thing's established. The power of agreement if it's power of agreement when we touch agree on the word of God, there's got to be power in the agreement when we touch and agree on negative stuff. That's why when you get the bad report, you can't have nobody in your house saying, well, you know, all we can do is pray. I don't know if he going to make it or not. No, 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 no. That can't enter into your house. Come on, somebody. You better get the praise and worship on. You better, you better cast the doubters outside. Come on. When Jesus went in there to raise Jairus' daughter, up, he said, get these religious junkies out of this house, these doubters. Get them down the street. I don't even need them in here while I'm trying to pray because you ain't going to do nothing but hinder my prayer. I Listen, get out in the house. And the scripture says he took Peter, James, John the sons of thunder come on in that house and said Talitha kuma, I say to you daughter arise and the scripture says she got up yeah. you cannot have the enemy using your authority to create stuff now you know what I could stop right there and we could give an altar call and it ought to be full including me God help us to guard our mouth Father right now I'm asking for grace to guard our mouth a guard our mouth. Help us to speak life and not death. Help us to impart courage to one another. Speaking to ourselves, the scripture says, "spiritual songs and hymns." That's how the enemy creates to get somebody to come in agreement. Somebody to give some kind of thought, and then you speak it. Come into agreement. So listen. Live a lifestyle of praise and worship. It is not something we do; it is who we are. If you are a worshipper, you're going to worship with Southern gospel. You can worship with Christian rock. You can worship with bluegrass, because we lifting up the name of the Lord. I've been in third world countries and couldn't understand a thing what they were saying. Come on, somebody. I can understand this, listen, this hallelujah is translated everywhere. Every time I say hallelujah, I say hallelujah. All I know is I could feel the presence of my father so I know they lift him up. I might not know how to speak that language, come on somebody, but I was speaking English saying, Father, I exalt you in this place. Praise and worship. You cannot lose it. That is a, I'm telling you, that is a bazooka that you have in your arsenal as a Christian. When we begin to worship God, I remember this uh, reading this story. It's in one of Chris Valentin's books. He said that th- there was some people from the Bethel School of Ministry went to the mall and they created this circle or whatever. Just, just had this circle water. They prayed over it and they just stood in that circle and worshipped God. And said there was this guy walked through where they, where they were worshipping God. When he walked through, he pulled drugs out of his pocket and dropped it. What happened? The Bible says in, Psalm, uh, in Psalms 22.3 that God inhabits the praises of his people. He came in contact with that zone right there where God was just inhabiting the praises of his people. God convicted him of what was, what was in his pocket. This is the power of praise and worship. I, if, we, if we got a revelation of how big God is and that he inhabits the praises of his people, we wouldn't have to do no cheerleading concert in here to get somebody to worship. We'd be ripping the roof off his place. David said, oh, magnify the Lord with me. God can't get, nobody, can't get no bigger than he is. But I'm telling you, when you begin to praise God, God gets bigger in your eyes. Amen. This is something that David had in him. David said, listen, I know you guys want to kill me right now but listen, you got to get over here to the side because I got to move back and I got to do what has worked with me since I was a teenage boy on the backside of that desert. When nobody had their eyes on me, listen, and, no, and I had a few sheep, come on somebody, and my brothers were staying up there at the house and they were the one, they were the first chosen. Even when Samuel came in to anoint me, I was on the backside. I wasn't even, I wasn't even lifted in the line, come on somebody. I wasn't even looked at that maybe I could be the one. But what was working for me is I had a harp and I knew how to play that under God and I would entertain him on this harp and he would come down and fellowship with me. And I also saw this, that same God that when I had to face a line, he'd come on me, come on somebody. That same God when the bear came out to get me, I found out if I would worship and praise him, he took me past the bear and the lion. Yes, I He's speaking from a place that he knows it works. All right. Don't let the de- look at your neighbor and say, Don't let the devil get your praise. If he gets your praise, you can better believe this, friend. You're going down. Praise is a serious thing. There's a lot of stuff happens. I know it may look crazy, but I'm telling you, there's something happening. It's, it's impossible for us to praise God in this house and nothing happens. Chains break off of people when praise goes on. Hello. Boy, there's a lot of stuff. People say, "Well, you know, I just I'm nervous when I go to that church and people acting crazy down there running around." No, the problem is, is them, them devils you toting getting to get nervous. Hello, what you like to do is go to the church at the Frozen Chosen when nothing's going on. I better get off that, huh? It ain't you getting nervous. That's them voices in there saying, "Get out." Get out, get out, take us out. Why? Because in that environment, freedom happens. You remember Paul and Silas in Acts 16 when they were in prison? The scripture says at the midnight hour. That ain't when you worship. Come on, somebody. That's when you're supposed to be sad. That's the darkest moment. That's when you're supposed to be just, I mean, all sad and caving in. But the scripture says at the midnight hour, they begin to sing praises unto God. And it says the foundations were shaken where they were at. And it says that the gates and the prison doors were open. That's what happens during praise and worship. I don't care how bad a day it's been. Come on, as Rod Parsons used to say, the devil belched and up out of hell came that day. It doesn't matter how bad it is when you cut on something. I don't care if it's Bill Gaither or if it's Rick Pino that you could have come in agreement with. Come on, somebody. That starts reminding us how big God is. It's amazing how that stuff begins to fall off. Depression and praise cannot coexist. This is how we encourage ourselves. Number, number three, I'm trying to hurry because number four is going to take 45 minutes to preach by itself. So I'm trying to hurry, okay? Listen to this. Be thankful. Catherine will tell you, there's nothing that will drive me crazy more than when my three boys are not thankful. We're going to be thankful in any season. Paul said, I know what it's like to stay at the Ritz-Carlton, did he not? But he said, I also know what it's like to have to stay in the tent. But he said, in all things, I've learned what? In all seasons of life, we have to live from a place of thankfulness. Let me just say this. Let me ask this question right here. Is there anybody in this room? I'm going to ask this question right here. I want you to hold your hand high. Since you started serving God, are you in a worse state than when you began serving God? Raise your hand. Look around the room, see the hands. There's not one. So how many knows this? Every day that we can wake up and we can be thankful. I've stood in a third world country where a man that drove us around made $28 a month. We just changed in a $50 bill. There were three of us on that van. Just changed in a $50 bill. Handed the bus driver the change out of the $50. I can't, we bought like a, like a Pepsi or something. That was probably already two months flat. <laughs> but it was coat, you know what I'm saying? Handed him the change. He began to weep and he said, I could not receive a gift such as this. I said, Listen, that is chump change to where we're going. I'm telling you, we are a blessed people. Are you listening to me? If you rode up here to church, I don't care if it's held together by Christian bumper stickers, friend. You are the richest people on the face of the earth and we have got to be thankful. Come on, we should be the most thankful people in the nation. Come on. Father, I thank you. How many felt the Lord show up when I was taking up the offering? Only thing I was telling him is how thankful I am for the blessing of God upon my house. Listen here, the enemy will always magnify what God is not doing. I can't worry about what he's not doing. I just got to focus on what he is doing. If I want him to be working on the washing machine, listen, and that's the forefront of my prayer, but he's in there working on the TV, I can focus on the TV and say, God, I thank you right now that you're working on this situation. And here's the deal. If you're working on this situation, it's just a matter of time before you're going to get on that for me. Being thankful. How many knows this is not something you do, it's from something who you are. You're living from a place this is just flowing out of us, that we're thankful. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 18, in everything give thanks. John, you ain't going to get paid for a while. Father, I thank you. On the inside, I'm thinking, if I could drag you through the phone. But I said, well, you know, we're all human. Don't worry, my, my children's not going to eat for a few weeks, but we'll be fine. That's not true. And you can tell, as slim as I am, we got we to eat, we got to have plenty of groceries at the house. In all things, give thanks. In the high times... In the low times, give thanks. I can promise you this, how to increase what you have is being thankful for what you have. I've lived in a single-wide mobile home. but There's not but too many ways you can rearrange furniture in a single-wide mobile home. But I watched every time she did it, but it was like I was living in the Ritz. I ain't always had a truck with air conditioner. I'm talking to some folk that ain't always showed up pretty. Come on, somebody. We planted our first church. I drove a 1988 Nissan hard body. This is, what was, this is what was said of the truck. Grant called that truck the monster truck. It was a little Nissan four-wheel drive. He called it the monster truck, blue monster truck. And he cried when we sold it. And I gave you this story. I told you we were driving to Alma 45 miles. It's about what? It's about forty-five miles. No, about forty-five minutes. So it's about thirty-something miles. No air conditioner. We had two sixty. What I called it. Two windows down. I hope she got sixty mile an hour. He had a Pepsi. He was in his car seat. He was two and a half years old. He turned that Pepsi up. He looked over there. I never. He just looked. At me, he said, "He show sure his heart, ain't that?" It? I said, it's hot. I said, "But if your mama gets out of college, we're gonna have a real monster truck." And we did. We got a Ford Super Crew Lariat four-door four-wheel drive. Bought it on a Wednesday. Couldn't preach that Wednesday night. The guy preached for him and said, Pastor, got a new truck and he's out riding around in it. We got riding in it all night. I wanted to sleep in it because I had air conditioning. But let me tell you something. When I was riding in the Nissan Hardbody, my co-worker said it was so ugly you had to have a tetanus shot to look at it. I was thankful unto God. And I realized that this is a season. This is not the final moment of my life. I won't always ride in this. Come on, somebody. I won't always live in this. But I'm thankful unto God for the provision that you have provided for me in this moment. How to increase what you have is be thankful for what you have. Let me, Man, I'm telling you, I want to get real practical right here. Let me tell you how I can tell when you're thankful for what you have. You'll get out and mow your grass. It's quiet up in here. Your house will be clean when you pull up. Come on, somebody. Your place will be tidied up. That lets me know you, cause you appreciate. And if you appreciate it, my first truck my daddy bought for me didn't cost me nothing. Washed it about once a month. Four wheel drive. We'd put it in a pond, whatever. Why? My dad bought it. it. Cost me nothing. First truck I bought. We washed it. Man, if a bug hit it, we uh, hold on. We got to stop. Get out. Wax it. Why? It cost me something. When you're thankful for what you have, you will take care of it. And how you increase the little, is you be, how you increase it, is you be thankful in every season. Father, I thank you right now. I'm not going to covet what Stanton's got. I thank you right now for where I'm at, Father. And Lord, help me to be a faithful steward of what you got. Come on, somebody. Being thankful. Somebody's going to go home, wait, there'll be some lawnmowers fired up today. In Jesus' name. How many knows that's true though? You'll look after what you're thankful for. I'm cutting up with you. <laughs> I'm gonna get in trouble. Listen, my wife keeps out play. You pull up there right now to my house. It's, it's right. Don't, don't look too much in the corners, but it's it's clean. Psalms one hundred verse four says to enter his gates with thanksgiving. You know when you go with somebody's house that's got a gate, you don't make it to the house first, you make it to the gate first. This is the entranceway into his presence. I'm thankful when I leave the house. I'm just, I'm just telling you right here, this is real practical. But imagine what kind of service you would have if everybody left their house this morning and when they got in their car, they had old happy day cranked up. And the whole way here was saying, Father, I'm so thankful for everything you've given me. God, I thank you for this truck. Lord, I thank you that, I mean, I ain't got one cab now. I got double cabs, air conditioning in the back seat. And we rode the whole way to church just being thankful. Man, I'm telling Emma probably wouldn't be able to touch the guitar. He'd be blown through the wall, press of God. But this is how we enter the gates. Woman, I told you last night. That ain't never happened, has it? In the car cussing, get out in his house. How you doing, Pastor? Glory to God. It's good to be in the house of the Lord today. Ain't never happened, has it? He's given us a way to enter into his presence. He's given us a way to stay encouraged. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. This happens before I ever get here. This happened all week. Every time that we cook a meal at our house, we bow our head over the meal and say, Father, we thank you for this. Come on, somebody. John Bentley Friday night was eating this this bowler. What, what was that? Some type of, I, mean, I don't know, he had crawfish, crab legs, um, shrimp. A sausage, some type of gumbo, and I told Kathy, did I didn't know I had crawfish." You know, I'm thinking, is John Belial, Man, listen, he cracked the head off of crawfish. I mean, he biting. I'm like, he won't eat a hamburger, but he's eating crawfish. And you know, he got. He said, "I mean, he ate a pile of stuff." He said, "Dad, I show sure him full now." Being thankful, being thankful, we bowed our head over that and said, "Father, we thank you for the blessing of the Lord upon our family." telling you how to stay encouraged. You all right? All right. It's 1141. So this last one right here. Go, I mean, this number four right here is going to take about 45 minutes, okay? Buck your seat right here, okay? Stewardess will be up in line right here in a minute. Give you some peanuts and, uh, and drink. Listen to this. Meditate on the promises of God. Listen, you've got to have this. You've got, you've got to meditate on the promises of God. When you get in a season that things are hard, you have to remind yourself the promises of God. You have to remind yourself what God has said. Listen, God doesn't need reminding, but I remind him a lot. He's not the one that needs reminding, it's me. In the process of me speaking it back to him, I'm reminding myself what God has said. Meditate on the promises of God. Now let me say where your mind, when you're in a season that is hard, your mind will drift to what God is not doing. You have to focus your mind back on what God is doing. And listen, there is not a person in this room that does not have a book full of promises. You say, Well, preacher, I've never been stood up in the church by a prophet and yelled out a promise. Listen, you got 66 books full of promises right there in your lap, right there collecting dust on your shelf. Come on, somebody. You got to open that and you got to start claiming it over your life. The word is powerful, friend. I'm trying to tell you. The written Logos word of God is powerful. Hebrews 4.12 said it is sharper than any two-edged sword. It is powerful. And T.D. Jakes used to preach this If you will work the word, the word will work for you. you. How many members Dr. Hagen when he was a boy dying? Preacher come in this way, told his mama, oh, bless his little heart, it won't be long now. This is the man of God. Telling his mama, bless his his little heart, it won't be long now. Kenneth Hagin said that he couldn't even holler out. But he said in his mind, he was screaming, I'm not dead yet. I don't care what you believe. Listen, I believe the word of God. And that man stood on the promise of the word. Listen, and he didn't die as no little boy. He raised up and became a mighty man of God and shook nations for the kingdom of God. Hello. Hello. You got to meditate on the promises. You got to remind yourself what God has said. Every time the doctor says it don't look good, you look unto God and say, "God, I thank you that it looks good." I'm not. Try- I'm not saying that we deny that we deny any anything. I'm not saying that. I'm not talking about faking it till you make it. But I am talking about faith in it till you make it. I had a high school teacher told me because I'm telling you I was not voted. if you would have known me in school you, you would be your jaw would hit the ground to see me preaching the gospel I started preaching when I was 18 I graduated high school a heathen amongst heathens had a big four wheel drive truck with a steel wheel antenna just I'm telling you rough She looked at me because I made her mad. And she said, you, pr-, she said, you ain't never going to do nothing. How many knows this? But when you got people praying for you, you don't even know it. See, my boys may want to run where they want to run. But I got enough prayer hounding them down. The dogs is chasing right now. I mean, listen, we see just standing up there preaching now. But how I many knows that Terry and Teresa spent a lot of nights down at the cross with them dogs, releasing them on him? He can't outrun my prayer. Come on, somebody. David said it like this. He said, if I go to the highest of height, there you are. If I go to the lowest of lows, there you are. And we have a promise. This is a promise right now. If you've got a child that's acting crazy, the promise is if you train a child in the way that they should go, Even if they depart, they will come back. So instead of speaking out of your mouth how bad they are, start speaking out there on their way home. And start doing like this. In Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son, while everybody else was in the house, the daddy was outside looking. Why? Because he knows if you train a child in the way that they should go, even though they depart, they will come back. He looked out there every evening. I know today is going to be the day he's on the horizon. This is a promise. If people in your house is not saved, the Bible says that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, Joshua twenty four fifteen. Household salvation is a promise. Instead of saying how bad they are, start thanking God that they're born again. My dad, if he's watching me preach this morning with well, something else, now, my dad didn't get saved till about the last year and a half of his life. But the deal is, is he came in there. Now, how many knows this? That when you get in a low season, the inmate, you, you ever had your mind play tricks on you? I mean, things get things can get fuzzy, right? Y'all, y'all with me, can you give me give me 15 minutes right here? I've done called. them. We're fitting the land the plane, go eat. Man, this evening's gonna be awesome. Have watermelon about 3 o'clock. This is gonna be a great day. You ready? Some of you gonna go to Barney and get some ice cream. The Lord will forgive you for it. It it's the Sabbath. I snuck over there one Sunday afternoon and there passed Matt. I said, Man, you too big to be coming over here eating this ice cream now. You better stay at the house. <laughs> But I would, man, I did everything to get my, my dad saved. I, d- I did everything I could. I would preach. I would run revivals, be poor in sweat. I'd take, the, I'd take the rags that i wipe my head. I'd put it in his pillars. god mess him up in his dreams. You know, dangling him over hell with dental floss. What do you got to do? Get him born again. Now, I got a whole lot more revelation than I did back then. See, anyhow, my dad got born again. Those of you that come here a lot, I lost my dad at 52 years of age. I was 26 when he died. And so anyhow, <clears throat> things got a little cloudy for me right there for a minute. I mean, I, I don't care if you're 75, it, it's hard to lose your dad. You know what I'm saying? And I'm, I'm just young. I just got, I hadn't been married long. I got got grants two and a half years of age. I mean, that was no time that I planned on losing my dad. And so anyhow, but the reality is he, he he's gone. So anyhow, I remember after that, and I remember we had to go to a funeral. Well, there was this <clears throat> highly educated, and I believe in education, this highly educated dude up there preaching, throwing all kinds of stuff out there. He kind of he kind of shook me a little bit. And then I started having these thoughts, because see all of that holiness background come, come up, you know, if you didn't dot every I and cross every T, you didn't make it. If you didn't know, if you didn't know Greek and Hebrew and the maps, you probably didn't make it. Listen, there are people who believe that if you're not in certain denominations, you're not going to heaven. That's a fact. There's people who believe if you don't speak in tongues, you ain't going to heaven. I believe you're still going, but I say, why riding a Volkswagen when you can ride in a Mercedes? I'll be quit. <laughs> All right, so I got scrambled. So then I started this, this thought. See how I'm just, I'm, I'm almost done right here. I'm trying to help us here. So this thought enters my mind. Holy smokes. My, my dad didn't make it. He did not make it. So then I'm panicking. I'm a preacher of the gospel, friend. You, you, this, is not, this is not something we're playing here. The Bible says, out of the foolishness of preaching, men shall be saved. It said, how shall they hear unless someone be sent? Romans chapter 10. And unless you are born again, I'm talking about calling on the name of Jesus Christ. Listen to me right now. Unless you call on the name of Jesus, who God, that is God's provision for eternity. I, I, I know that the media, CNN, Fox is going to tell you all kinds of stuff is going to tell you that all roads lead to heaven. I'm telling you right now the gospel truth in here. There's one road that leads to heaven and that is the man Christ Jesus. Hello. Good people don't go to heaven and bad people don't go to hell. Save people go to heaven, and the rest go to hell. That's a fact. Krishna's not the answer. Muhammad's not the answer. Islam's not the answer. Hello. Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life. I know I'm getting off. Stay with me right here, okay? Can't leave. I know you're getting sleepy right here. Listen, but when, but when the flood came on the earth, Noah was told to build an ark, right? He built an ark with one door, right? Listen, and God, when God opened the door and God was the one that shut the door. Come on now, right? God was the one that closed the door. Noah could not pick the door. God closed the door, the animals went into the ark, right? The, the, the ark had three levels. Jesus is the one door, friend, right? He is the way, the truth, and the life. It had one window, not the windows I know hanging in the nursery. We got the boat hanging with three windows with the giraffe with his head. It had one window and it was due north. Noah wasn't look to the side. He wasn't, he wasn't to look to the, the east or the west. He was to look straight ahead. Right? So I'm getting scrambled. Now I'd ask my dad the question, are you saved? How, how did I know? He said, because I believed in Jesus. What Jesus did was enough for me. So the season comes in. I'm in a low time in my life. I'm really, having, I'm really struggling losing my dad. And then, uh, and now, now, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, it's kind of like fishing with a cricket. That thought just makes the court bobble down. You know what I'm saying? But the enemy, what he's wanting you to do is swallow the whole hook and line. He wants you to believe a lie. He's a father of lies, right? So now, I'm thinking, I, I, so now what I've done is really, I don't know if my dad made it. So I'm standing in Douglas, Georgia. I'm in Douglas, Georgia. There's a man from Fiji in, in Douglas, Georgia with about, about uh, 30 or 40 leaders in there. I'm in this line. He's praying, going down the line. Anyhow, gets here. Starts quoting Psalms 42. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Starts quoting Psalms 42. And then it says this. Why would you even doubt that your father does not stand in my very presence? When he said that, truth, I heard truth right then. You understand what I'm saying? Boy, how many felt the Holy Ghost just come in this room right here? That's a real story to happen in my life. Truth just came right to me and dispelled all that lie and all of that bull. Come on, somebody. And hey, I've never doubted for one second. My dad is in the presence of Almighty God. Come on, somebody. He's not suffering, he's not sick, he's not weak, he's not feeble, he didn't take cancer on the other side. Cancer died, but he didn't die, friend. Come on, he just transitioned. And here's the deal. He ain't up there weeping, saying, Oh my God, I can't believe I ain't seen him. He stepped out of time. Have you ever been been to somewhere and, and someone just steps out the room or whatever, and then you, you walk right in the kitchen and there they are. That's what eternity is like. When somebody dies, friends, listen, they leave you and I are living right now in linear time. They step, they step in eternity, which is like this right here. The Bible says, oh man, we don't know where all this has come from. Maybe it's gonna help somebody. The Bible says, for one day to the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years and one day to the Lord. A thousand years, God said, "Roll today." Right? My dad's been gone since two thousand six, July the thirty first, two thousand six. But if it's two thousand and seventy eight when I see him, it'll be just as I left his side. Is he somewhere? He been? And but he might because I know the Bible says we're gonna when we get to heaven we're gonna have a new body. And I done told you I've been praying this a long time. You, when you see me, I'll look just like David Hasselhoff <laughs> running the beach. <laughs> I'm almost done. Look at your neighbor and say praise God he's almost done. Listen to this you got to meditate on the promise. Listen to this Second Peter one and four says this says we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises. How do, you handle, how, do you, how do you handle the promises God given you? The Scripture says they're precious. 1 Timothy 1.18 says this, to wage warfare with your promises. Paul is teaching him, we will always have to contend for the Word, but teaches him if he uses the promises to contend, the promise will prevail. How many knows this? Any of you that's ever had the promise and you've brought it into this reality, what, the best way to describe it is this. How many knows this? Junior talked about Amanda. He was given the promise that, he, that him and Laura would have a child. They were given a warning that the devil's coming to attack this child. She was born, what, at five months, right? Got down to, what, a pound and something, right? How many knows this? You ha- he had to contend with the word of God over her life. But what happened when he was willing to fight and contend, the word prevailed over her life, and she's here. This is what Paul is teaching Timothy. Listen, you can't just think because you get the word. You get the word and the word is, how many knows this? Especially like if you receive a prophetic word. Like day. I mean, let's use you for example. I jump up, you know what I'm saying? I, go, I get in the truck saying, my God, why did I say that in the microphone? But we knew it was the Lord, right? All our hair standing up. Your hair probably wasn't standing up on about day five. No, you had to put it in a CD, Right? How many you ever got your words on CD or tape? You throw it back in there and say, whew. man, you feel the anointing come on you again? You're like, because here's the deal. We live in a microwave society. We want God to just snap it out the door when we walk out. God, he's a crock pot. He's a farmer. He's just waiting on something to grow. So we, so we contend with the promises. All right, let me say, what, how many I'll give you? I can't remember how many I'll give you right here. Let me give you these last ones real quick, okay? This next one, 30 minutes. Number four, pray in the spirit. Flesh don't know about what to pray is at all. But the spirit what? Makes supplications, and groans which cannot be uttered. Praying in the spirit. Jude 1, verse 20 says, But beloved, but you beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. When you pray in the Holy Spirit, you build up your faith. I don't know what I'm praying, but listen, it's kind of like this. It's kind of like this. How many you knows now, you can go get these, uh, these infusions of B12. You know what I'm talking about? When you pray in the spirit, it's like being hooked up in both arms with a drip system, to B12. We wonder why our spirit man's so weak because we ain't feed him nothing. I remember Jensen Franklin years ago, remember, I remember years ago, listen, he said he was struggling, and his daddy told him, he said, Sunday's two bears on the inside of you. Whichever one you feed the most is the going to win the fight. When we pray in the the Holy Spirit, it's like putting both hands into electrical outlets and we're recharging. Praying in the Spirit. Number six, Matt told this. uh, Keeping uh, keeping the testimony. You got what God does. Listen, what God does for you, everybody in here has got a history book. Everybody in this room has a history book. If you are walking with God, you got history with God. And if you got history with God, then you've got a testimony. And here's the deal. If God has done something one time, he'll do it again. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians, pictures three portions of life. It talks about running. It talks about walking. And then finally Paul closes this out. Think about I'm done right here. I'm a final closing. And my sons will tell you this. What does closing mean? Nothing. But I'm telling you the truth. Right here we close it. you got to understand, Paul's writing from a Philippian jail cell. He's writing, I mean, he's writing from a jail cell. He's at the end of the journey. He looks over and he sees this Roman soldier standing there. He sees the soldier with all of his armor, with his, with his sandals, with the spikes on the bottom. And Paul starts writing, Finally, my brethren. When you've done all you know to do, stand, therefore, girded. And he describes the armor that's on that soldier. Why did he say stand? Because God's in eternity. He's circling just like this. If he touched me one time, all he's asking me to do is put my cleats down. Because it's a matter of time he's coming again. And he's going to touch me again. So what you do is you pull out the history book. How many members in the movie War Room? The movie War Room. Remember when she walks outside the house and she said, devil, not on my watch. And not right now. You ain't going to get my marriage. She says, my man. You say my woman, whatever. Come on. I'm talking about for husband and wives. Now you got to bring it down. This day we preaching in. I said a man and a woman. That's what God ordains. Hello. I don't care what Hollywood's saying or what nobody else is saying. I'm telling you what God's ordaining. Man, days we're living in now. She goes to war. Listen, you take what I preach, you take this right here today, what I gave you. You live a lifestyle of praise and worship. You live a lifestyle of thankfulness. You pray in the spirit. You keep the testimonies that God has done in your life. Every time something comes up in his life that he's got a financial need, all he's got to do is pull out. I sponsored a child when God said give it. And God gave me four tires. And I guarantee you what you gave to sponsor the child was cheaper than the four tires. God will always give back, pressed down, shaking up, multiplying, and running over. Testimony that was shared about him when you got $150 left in your account or what what right? Come time to pay your tithes. Well sure ain't gonna give the hundred fifty because that's all I got. But he but wrote the check. Next day gets a call from the insurance. Man, the insurance like the RS they ain't giving you nothing. <laughs> um, and says you, you overpaid. We've well, mailing you a check for fifteen hundred because God always gives back, pressed down, shaking up, multiplying, and running over. You take those things right there, I promise you. Rod Parsley wrote a book in the, in the early 90s that said no dry season. If we'll learn how, including the one holding the mic, to live by those six things right there, there won't be no dry seasons in our life. There'll be seasons that ebb and flow. Things will change. Come on, somebody. Sometimes I might not be running. I may be walking. But I promise you this, as far as what my attitude won't shift. And our attitude determines our altitude. Your attitude, how we see things. God help us right now. I'm telling you, I feel there's a grace in this room. If it ain't, but for me, the one with the mic, our attitude will determine our altitude. If you, Ms. Carey, I feel like when I watch your word, if God's done it one time, He'll do it again. You got to stand. If He's done it one time, He'll do it again. Father, stand up with us. We're going to pray right here. Touch your neighbor on his shoulder. The last one, I didn't give you, but I'm going to give it to you right quick. It's controlling your environment. Don't When you're in a low season in your life and things are hard, don't make, no, don't make no knee-jerk decisions. Don't make no decisions in that time. That's the time you seek godly counsel. You bring people around you and you hear those voices, people you're in covenant with. Don't bring, don't bring you know Uncle Joe in if he's negative. you you with me. Father, I thank you for today. Father, what I feel in this room right now is, Father, that, that a grace to just let us know that you are God. You, you are who you say you are. Father, build our faith to trust you. That even though we can't see, even though we don't understand, even though we don't have it figured out, Father, let us live from a place of total trust and dependency knowing that God has got it all all working out. Father, you you do hold everything that the Hubble telescope is yet to discover. Everything that has ever been created according to Isaiah chapter 40, you do hold it all in the span of your hand. And Father, help us to hang loose and live in that place of rest and trust knowing that you have it all worked out. Father, I thank you that you are for us this morning in this room, that you are for every person standing in this room this morning. I thank you that we all are going to make it. We are all going to be successful in this room because you are with us, Lord. I thank you that the hard times does not determine or where I'm at presently does not determine who I am. But Father, I am who you said I am. And Father, I thank you for that, Lord, this morning. Let us live by the promise. Let us live by by praise and worship. Help us to guard our mouth and forgive us right now in this room of the things that we have said that we should not have said. Father, I'm asking right now that, you, that we repent before you of speaking just just negative stuff out of our mouth and help us live from a place that we speak the word, we live the word, and Lord, we, that, that's, that's what flows out of our mouth. Whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are true of a good report, let us speak those things and think on those things. Now, Father, I pray a blessing over everyone in this room today as we travel outside the walls of this church and we go back to our family, God, and we go back to our daily life and as we get on the job next week, Lord, remind us today of what we heard in this room. Let us be thankful. When the, when the Zaxby says, we don't got no chicken cook. can you pull up? Let us be thankful, Father, that that's a moment to talk to you, God. All things work to the good of them that love the Lord and are called into His purpose. I thank you right now, God, regardless of what's going on in my life, you are working it out to my favor. And I trust you that you are a good God. And when you get through with the blanket, the tapestry of my life, people are going to look and say, my God, that's awesome right there. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. God bless you all. We'll see you here Wednesday night. Thanks for listening to this message. For more exciting content, visit our website at sparkswillfly.cc and connect with us on social media.